Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're, be- we're glad to be back on the air with you this Tuesday. We have an exciting show for you today. We're doing a little deeper dive on the 30 Under 30 program, which is the Supply Chain Stars, a program that uh, Thomas Dett and ISM put together. Uh, but I want to, before we jump into that, speak briefly with my co-host here. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. And we are going to have an interesting show. Uh, too bad we can't have all 30 under 30s on the show. Otherwise, we'd be here for hours. But we do have the cream of the crop. And uh, uh, we have uh, Chris. We have Christy from uh, ThomasNet as their spokesperson. Uh, Tim, why don't you do the uh, intro? Sure, and I want to share with our listeners really what's happening with this uh, 30 Under 30 program. What this is all about uh, is as more baby boomers reach retirement age, supply chain executives are looking you know, with some trepidation at a looming talent gap. The gray hairs are retiring out, and who are they going to be replaced by? To, to stay strong, the industry needs an influx of young talent, particularly millennials, you know, people born between 1982 and, uh, let's go back 20 years, 1994. Uh, and as we approach 2025, researchers say that millennials will make up about 75% of the supply chain workforce. So I'm not so sure that that might just uh, bleed over into, into many positions that are going to be the younger generation. But to groom the supply chain leaders, Uh, that they'll need for tomorrow, companies must attract the brightest and most innovative members of that generation today, and that's two of the people that we're talking to today. We have attended a number of uh, industry events throughout the year, and a recurring theme among attendees is how do we attract millennials to our company, and how do we let them know that manufacturing can provide a rich and rewarding career? Interestingly enough, I was in a, I won't name their name, a large box store recently, and they were showing pictures of manufacturing, and they were showing the dark, dirty atmosphere of a old uh, forging floor, uh, and that's not what manufacturing is today. So, <laughs> get your impression from the show, uh, and you know, in an answer to this question, really about how we're going to get the millennials in. And to put a spotlight on current millennials who are doing amazing things, really exciting things in their organizations, Thomas Net and the Institute of Supply Management teamed up in 2014 to create a recognition program called 30 Under 30 Rising Supply Chain Stars. Today, we'd like to take a deeper dive into the issues and hear from directly from two of the Thomas Net and ISM rock stars. We're going to hear from Jennifer Wolf, Supply Chain Strategy Manager with Masco Cabinetry. That's a that's a billion-dollar operation. And Wesley Whitney, who's a sourcing specialist with Enterprise Products and Energy Services Company. Now, also joining us is Kristen Carty, Audience Outreach Manager for Thomasnet and a key advocate of the program. And, Kristen, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell us a little more about you and the program? And welcome to the show. Thanks, Tim. 
Uh, well, I work for Thomascent.com in our audience development department, so it's basically just going around and promoting usage of the Thomascent.com platform, which I know you guys are very familiar with. Um, especially being in the manufacturing industry and, you know, Wes and Jennifer on their side of the business and supply chain have become very familiar with it as well. Um, it's, you know, buyer's leading free resource for supplier discovery and product sourcing. Um, and we're really excited about the 30 Under 30 program. We had teamed up back last spring with uh, the Institute for Supply Management, ISM, like you mentioned, um, because we really share a common goal to advance the purchasing and supply chain management profession. Um, and by highlighting the achievements of these stars, we really want to demonstrate how exciting and rewarding a career in supply chain management can be. Um, and I think the 30 that we chose are very representative of that goal. Now, why are, and I know that we've touched on this in, in other shows, but I'd like our listeners to hear it again because it's really quite important, particularly if the millennials are listening, we hope they are, why are supply chain careers a good choice for millennials? Well, one thing that always talks is money. <laughs> um, they're actually one of the top paying positions right out of school. Um, ISM conducts a salary survey each year, and it stated this year that the average pay for a professional was upwards of $72,000 a year, um, which is right on par with engineering. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, money talks. But um, the, the supply chain management careers in general, just they dovetail with millennials' value systems, too. Um, you know, a lot of young professionals can be socially conscious and really want to make a difference to their organizations and their communities. And supply chain is something that really allows you to do that, um, really improving access to vital products and services, whether it be from medicine to clean energy, and really contributing to those overall sustainability goals that millennials have. Um, and another thing is making a big financial impact for companies, you know. Our rising stars help their organizations work more efficiently and strategically through their supply chains. You know, collectively, this group of individuals save their companies millions and millions of dollars. And it's interesting because uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio was on the exhibit floor at Fabtech back in November. And if you walk that floor, you see very large, heavy industrial machinery, cutting plate, forming plastics. Um, big saws, big polishers, all run with iPads. So this is very high-tech stuff. Um, Kristen, in general, what can you say about the winners? Um, well, one of the things you just mentioned, they're very tech-savvy. Um, we were really impressed by the response of all the nominations and of all the 30 winners that we have. Um, you know, we did some surveying to them after the fact just to kind of understand about them and about how they feel that the industry views them being so young to, you know, to their careers. Um, and really the things that they said um, really negate any perceptions about millennials that exist. You know, these, this group of people really wants to take initiative and advance the profession. Um, you know, on a personal level, they're out there volunteering. Many of them are involved with these organizations like ISM or APEX or NIGP, you know, some of the government um, supply chain um, associations. Um, and they're active in volunteer work as well, you know, doing things in their communities. You know, Girl Scouts, Ronald McDonald House, Meals on Wheels, they're out there volunteering, and they really are really truly making a difference. Um, you know, we definitely feel that they're champions in the industry. You know, they are the brightest minds, and they 
are a great, uh, they're great role models for people who are even younger than them looking to either change careers or enter supply chain as a profession. Great, Chris. I appreciate you giving us an overview. And now I'd like to talk to uh, two of the rising stars of supply chains who are actually winners in the 30 Under 30 program. Uh, the first is uh, Wes Whitney. Uh, Wes is 29 years of age. He's from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, go Aggies. He's from Texas A&M <laughs> University. Uh, Wes, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone's going to ask if I paid you to say go Aggies, and the answer is no. <laughs> You know, you did not. <laughs> we could be bought so, off. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what uh, led you to the supply chain field, Wes. Yeah, you know, well, you hit the nail on the head. Living here in Houston, working for an oil and gas company called Enterprise Products. I've been with them for <clears throat> coming up on four years now. You know, and, and I laugh about it. I probably took the, uh, the most, uh, unusual route to supply chain. I'm not even sure supply chain was a, a career, much less a word I had used uh, until I was you know, well out of school. But I was having lunch with a former roommate, and we got to talking about our careers and what we were doing, and he was telling me about <clears throat> his career in, in energy and, and in supply chain. And it just sounded incredibly intriguing to me because of the breadth of opportunities that he was he was allowed to work on. And so uh, it's just something I started looking into very closely. I felt like I uh, I got an associate's degree in our conversation, and we probably talked for several hours and continued to have conversations like that. So I began to look very diligently and very focused um, when it came to uh, to opportunities for myself to, to get into energy and to get into supply chain and was lucky enough to, to know someone who knew someone and came in and, you know, interviewed well enough not to be kicked out the door. And, and I really told them, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew what I was doing, but uh, I'm certainly going to come in and work hard, and, and I'm, I'm hungry to learn. And so I was given a little opportunity, and, and since then I've been given – I've just had just the best support here at Enterprise. Uh, the people above me have given me every opportunity to succeed and allowed me to really kind of expand my skills as, a, as I've learned on the job. And, you know, that was a feels like a whole life ago. Now it's, a, it's second nature. So that's kind of how I got into the industry. And you are a sourcing specialist with Enterprise Products. What is a sourcing specialist? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so my role, my responsibilities are to to negotiate, manage, and implement strategic agreements for Enterprise Products. So we are responsible for looking into how Enterprise spends money and figuring out if we can leverage and more effectively manage that spend to increase the, the value of the offering to Enterprise, right? So it's it's not complicated. We we have categories that we manage. I, I'm responsible for about 30 different commodity categories, and my responsibility is to kind of peel back the onion and say, where's Enterprise's best opportunity? How can we work with the best and the safest and the most reliable companies out there to, to maximize the dollars that Enterprise is spending for operations. Thanks, Wes. And let me jump over to Jennifer Wolf. Jennifer Wolf is another one of the 30 under 30 rising supply chain stars. Uh, she's 30 years old. She's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I feel like I'm on the dating game show. You know, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> uh, and that's probably way too uh, uh, back in time for our, our millennials to remember it. Her alma mater is Miami University, and her current supply her current position is supply chain strategy manager with Masco Cabinetry. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Good morning, thank you, Lou and Tim. Um, first off, thank you for having me on the show and for your support of the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jennifer, and 
you know, what led you to the supply chain field and how did you get to your current position? Sure. As you mentioned, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, I studied my for my undergrad at Miami University in business economics and German, and then I went on to get an MBA from Oakland University. I'm currently with NASCO Cabinetry. Uh, to tell you a little bit about NASCO Cabinetry, they're one of the country's largest cabinet manufacturers. We have uh, brands including Craftmade, Marilat, and Quality Brand Cabinets, and we're headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which, despite the temperatures this time of year, is really a fantastic place to call home. Um, on a personal note, I'm an avid runner, and I consider myself an all-around adventure seeker. Uh, most recently, my husband and I have begun a lifelong adventure of parenthood. So we've had a lot of sleepless nights recently. Uh, as far okay. as, yes, as far as the career goes, um, my entry into supply chain uh, began a little earlier than Wesley's, but was um, equally as unexpected. So I was first introduced to supply chain during an internship. I was recruited by Chrysler. It was Daimler Chrysler at the time because of my German background. Um, they recruited me for an internship in global procurement. And from there, the internship turned into a full-time role in their management training program, um, which was a really great way to um, learn supply chain from the ground up. The program consisted of three one-year rotations, one in manufacturing, one in procurement, and one in supply. It was, it was challenging to say the least, but it gave me a really unique opportunity to experience the, uh, the various facets of supply chain early in my career and gave me a foundation that I continue to count on today. Um, over the years, one of the best aspects I've found about a, a career in supply chain is that the skill set that you develop is easily transferable from one industry to another. Um, so when I made the decision to broaden my experiences and change organizations, I was pleasantly surprised that um, I had a number of options. I was attracted to Masco Cabinetry mainly because I could re relate to their products. Now I've been with Masco Cabinetry for about five years. I started here in a purchasing role and then was fortunate enough to take a uh, a role in marketing, which gave me a really great chance to learn the front end of the business, something that I hadn't been uh, exposed to at all yet. And in turn, I was able to bring a new perspective to the marketing team. Um, now, most recently, I'm in a role um, of manager of supply chain strategy, um, which is really pulling together all of my past experiences and relationships as I try to tackle a variety of projects related to optimizing our supply chain. So, uh, Wes and uh, Jennifer, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, I, I don't know how the two of you uh, got involved with 30 Under 30, if you were volunteered in or you selected to join. Uh, I'd like to hear how that occurred. Uh, but more importantly, uh, I'm curious at what, aside from you having another line that goes on your resume, uh, how, how do you feel uh, being a winner of 30 under 30, how that's going to help you and help your company? Uh, and this is really for uh, potential listeners who uh, may want to participate in this program uh, this coming year. So, uh, Wes, why don't you uh, kick it off? I heard about uh, 
the 30 to 30 program through ISM. And actually, I was <laughs> I was looking to uh, to nominate some some friends of mine that I thought were in the industry and, and doing a great job as well. When I found out that that somebody had submitted a nomination for me, so. I put it in the uh, in the Rolodex and forgot about it and, and didn't give it a second thought until I got a call from Thomas Nett from ISM saying that uh, that that we had won and and I'll be frank I it, I'm incredibly humbled you know it, like I said uh, having uh, having maybe the the least traditional route into supply chain um, I feel very very grateful for the opportunities that both enterprise and ISM have afforded me and they've given me every uh, every bit of information I've ever asked for and, and, and a ton of support along the way so. Yeah, I, I feel incredibly humbled when I when I sit back and think about it. You know, a few years ago I was not even remotely in this industry and and didn't have the skills and the disciplines that I've learned now and um, and the the things that that my current job, uh, the things that that it's taught me and and just really the, the life skills and the business skills that it's given me are something that I don't take for granted at all. I come to work incredibly satisfied and incredibly hungry to do uh, to 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 enact on uh, a, a lot of opportunity that uh, that's been given my way and um so as far as ISM and, and this program you know I I can't I can't say enough about it because when I go back now and I visit A&M or if I talk to people you know A&M is, is since I started it at Enterprise A&M has, has started its own supply chain program within uh within the college of it's in the college of business now and so you know I've gotten heavily involved uh in kind of reaching back to A&M and and talking with prospective supply chain graduates to let them know that there are opportunities that that you'd never even think of. I mean, when I I told the story when I was talking with uh with some of the guys prepping for this that, you know, when I grew up, my grandmother was in purchasing and I can remember going and visiting her at her office and thinking, this is I will never get involved in purchasing your procurement. This is something that like old ladies do. And so it's just so funny that it's come full circle now and uh, I've got a, a a career that I love and I enjoy and that I'm thriving in in supply chain because there's so much more to it than just the purchasing procurement arm of it. There's there's the, the manufacturing aspect, the logistics aspect and you know and and Kristen and um you know, alluded to it that the opportunities um, to give back and to have real value and drive real value at your company um, is something that supply chain uh, has in spades. And and, and it, it, when you're young and hungry and you want to get out and, and succeed and make a name for yourself, uh, affecting a, a, a broad group across a, a large company and and having real bottom line deliverables that can be seen, you know, up and down the hierarchy is is all you could ask for from an exposure standpoint. And Thomas Nett and ISM have just done a fantastic job of of bringing to light how uh, you know, young professionals can can really make an impact with their company. So let me ask you: Have you reached a uh, sort of celeb uh, role at your company? Uh, uh, the fact that you are one of the winners of uh, the thirty <laughs> under thirty. I, I don't know if celebrity would uh, would would be the right phrase. Um, my uh, my boss makes sure to humble me on it almost daily uh, and keep <laughs> me in line. But no, you know everybody here has been um, has been incredibly supportive. And to be frank, there's there's just a lot um, a lot of of honor and a lot of celebration to be shared with with the people at my company. Like I said, I make no bones about it that if it wasn't for uh, for my manager and 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 even his manager. The two people directly above me that I don't know if I'd be here today. They've they've taken me under their wing. They've shown me the ropes. They easily could have cast me aside and let me kind of you know wade in my own uh, you know in my own lack of understanding. But instead, they really brought me in and they molded me. And, and so I don't miss any opportunity to thank them for um, for the incredible mentorship they've given me um, and just kind of the path that they've helped put me down. 
Well, clearly they have seen something in you that uh, you haven't seen in yourself, at least at the beginning of this. So that's that's a nice thing when joining a company that uh, uh, your talents are appreciated. Uh, Jennifer, why don't you give us a little insight into how you got involved with uh, 30 Under 30? Sure, gladly. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be nominated by my current boss, um, Joe Sicoli, who's the director of supply chain at my company, and he and I go way back. He actually uh, was one of the people that recruited me from Miami to Chrysler, so we've had a long relationship, and he's um, he's been great, graciously uh, um, take, taking me on as a men, as a mentee over the years, and I've really appreciated that. Um, he nominated me for this award somewhat as a surprise to me, um, so. I was probably even more surprised than Wesley when I got the email from ISM and ThomasNet announcing that I won the award. Um, very grateful to have it. One of the companies, or one of the things that my company plans to do with this award is hopefully utilize it for some recruiting efforts over the years. Uh, Wes, just a question on uh, your your job today. What what would you say is the most satisfying part of your job today? I think you touched a little on that, but why don't you go and do it for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, un- undoubtedly, it's, you know, the projects that we work on, the visibility of those projects within Enterprise is is huge. And so every day I know that, that when I come into work and, and when I'm working, you know, long hours and, and when I'm, the stress is, you know, more than coffee can overcome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very quickly reminded that executing on these projects is something that has great visibility uh, within the company and is something that it really it determines uh, success for us. To be quite frank, I mean, w- especially in these economic times, you know, we're really we're really being given a lot of opportunity to uh, to drive some some real value for the company here. And so, um, for me, it, it's it's undoubtedly um, the visibility of the projects that I work on, the uh, the amount of opportunity I get to present uh, what our group works on collaboratively uh, with both, you know, down to the most granular level of people who are doing operations for enterprise, you know, up to the top of, of upper level management. I really, I have opportunities to sell our ideas and our projects and our vision to to every aspect of the company, and so the the novelty and and the unique aspect of that is is something that makes my job fluid and it's always changing. It's it's never mundane. It's always something new and and it's always there's always another project on the horizon. So I'm I'm constantly working uh, through, you know, being very focused on on what's at hand, but you know, keeping ten or eleven. Uh, balls in the air as I juggle multiple projects as we go along. So you know, just just the whole breadth of operations of, of what I get to work on, who gets to see it, and then and how I get to even then market and advertise uh, our ideas internally is, is incredibly incredibly satisfying for me. Geez, you're talking me into it. I, I need to figure out how to become 30 years younger and jump into a new career. <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer, how about you? You know, for me, I take a lot of pride in the impact I can have on my company's financials. So in line with what Kristen and Wes have already said, um, I'm in the same boat. I'm really energized by being able to work on projects that not only can make our operations more efficient, um, but they have direct impact on the bottom line. There are really very few areas within a business that have the ability to directly impact the bottom line, and supply chain is one of them. I just find it very exciting uh, to have such a powerful influence over my business. 
And let's just go into, you know, there are, I'm sure, millennials listening to the show, and it's a, uh, it is an exciting career. Um, Jennifer, back to you. Uh, what advice would you give someone looking into a career in supply chain today? Well, I found my exposure to marketing early in my career really continues to pay dividends. Um, there's no doubt about it. Production roles are very challenging, to say the least. Uh, so my advice to anyone would be to embrace the challenge and get out onto the floor early and often. I was a material supervisor uh, when I first started out at Chrysler at the plant that made the Sebring and the Avenger. And that job not only taught me a lot about leadership, but I also gained a really valuable perspective on um, the importance of understanding my customers' needs, both, both internally and externally. So now, now when I sit um, in a corporate office at a corporate level, I really understand how to put a, the priority on the needs of the downstream customer. And Wes, um, what about you? You know, you like somebody talked to you about supply chain. They know it was a several-hour conversation. What would you say to someone looking into a career in supply chain? Man, I think uh, I think Jennifer hit the nail on the head. Uh, you, for me, communication is critical. You have to um, you have to be able to digest, understand, and assimilate the information that your downstream users require and that your upstream stakeholders need to know as they go. So, really, being able to to take that information, assimilate it into your into your analysis of of your projects, and then being able to communicate that both up and down uh, the chain of command is is so in, incredibly critical. And it, I would just encourage people to say, you know, you have to be a master of your craft. You have to take great pride in what you do. And so, even if it means wading into the weeds on on materials or projects that you don't necessarily understand or get, really be getting to the point where you can become, you know, uh, proficient in understanding and communicating the needs of that business is um, is really really critical and and being able to put on different hats at different times and 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 not being afraid to take ownership over uh, over your projects is really critical and I think that's again something that millennials are are looking for opportunities for they're looking for for chances to distinguish themselves and and I think supply chain just gives you um, such a such a uh, a breadth of opportunity to do that uh, Wes and Jennifer, we're, we're going to take a short uh, commercial break in a moment. But before we do that, uh, Kristen, when we come back, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what the uh, ThomasNet plans are for the next uh, uh, 30 under 30 event. So why don't you think about that for a moment or three, and uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. 
Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Okay. Okay, we're back, and I uh, just want to reintroduce our guest, uh, Wes, uh, Wes Whitney, source Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'd like to reintroduce our guest, Wes Whitney, sourcing specialist with Enterprise Products, and Jennifer Wolf, supply chain strategy manager with Masco Cabinetry. We also have... Kristen Carty, Audience Outreach Director from ThomasNet. And before our break, I left Kristen with a question about uh, what does the 30 Under 30 program look like going forward for the year 2015? Kristen? Well, Lou, we are definitely going to be doing this program again. We will be announcing it at the ISM conference, um, well, officially announcing it at the ISM conference in uh, the early May out in Phoenix, Arizona. We actually will be honoring all of the winners at an event there. Um, We're hoping all of them will be be able to make it out to Arizona. Um, Anyone can get more information at www.thomasnet.com forward slash 30 under 30. That will link you back to all of the profiles of the winners from this year. Um, as well as once May comes, open up for nominations for next year's program. Um, And we're definitely looking forward to (laughs) digging through lots more applications this year. We we had uh, quite a few hundred this year. So it was very hard to choose the 30 winners. As you can tell, um, Jennifer and Wes are very uh, great candidates, as well as the other 28 winners that we selected. So uh, it should be a challenge next year with all the promotion that we've gotten and, you know, all the, the good news surrounding this program. Well, we would certainly like to help participate in getting your message out. Uh, we actually plan on being at the uh, ISM uh, 100th anniversary in uh, Phoenix, Arizona in, uh, I think it's May 3rd through five. Uh, and perhaps we can have some of your folks on the show at that time. Uh, Tim? Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to kind of go down the uh, the list of winners. They all uh, uh, rec- uh, certainly are worthy of recognition. And uh, so just give me a couple of minutes to talk uh, about uh, some of the winners. The, the, uh, the rock star winner was Katie Conrad Maynard. She's a category manager. Uh, with finished lubricants, uh, B2B with Shell Oil. 
and uh, we were going to have her on the show. She's in the U.K. quite a bit. Nicholas Amaturo, uh, Director uh, Profit Improvement and Procurement with Hudson Bay Company. Now, there's a, there's a well-recognized and old name, Hudson Bay Company. I recall the Hudson Bay Blankets, if I, got, if I have it correct. Uh, uh, Natalie Andrasco, she's a Senior Procurement Manager with ConAgra. Uh, Alejandra Batista is a Vendor Master Specialist with New Star Energy in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Matt Bauer, who is a procurement administrator, City of Mesa, Arizona. Stephanie Bedard is a business operations analyst with Johnson & Johnson, with, uh, and then High Wycombe in the U.K. Um, let me see, I've, I've got uh, Jenna Bencula, who's a purchasing manager with uh, Glanvia Foods in Twin Falls, Idaho. Paul Boyer. Site Head of Procurement at uh, Hoffman LaRoche. Christina Butterworth, Global Supply Markets Project Manager with Halliburton in Kuala Lumpur. So these folks, uh, I understand, do quite a bit of traveling. So if you're into traveling, I suggest you look at a supply chain career. Uh, Erica Canlis, who's a Sourcing Lead Commercial and Business Services Procurement with Johnson & Johnson. Robert Kaysen, Specialist Global Procurement with Ingredient out of Westchester, Illinois. Aaron Clancy, Commercial Manager, Mars Chocolate of Hackettstown, New Jersey. And if you've ever driven through Hackettstown, as I have, as you enter the town, there's this uh, there's pleasant smell of chocolate uh, as you walk down Main Street, so it's a great little place to be. Brian Dean, who's a purchasing agent, General Dynamics, C4 Systems in Scottsdale, Arizona. Laura Dearborn-Stearns, a supply chain business analyst with Cisco Systems. Christina DeConing, material analyst with Northrop Grumman. Uh, Audrey Edwards, category specialist, Alliance Data, Plano, Texas. Leah Halverson, director of procurement and supply chain development, Minnesota Public Schools. So they, supply chain touches everything. Stephanie Kessler-Thayer. Manager, Development, Purchasing, Panera Bread Company. Everybody loves Panera Bread Company and their soups and sandwiches. Sarah Clems, who's Supply Chain Analyst with the Boeing Company in Portland. Andrew Ladoff, who is a buyer with Excel Energy in Denver, Colorado. Ryan Mulcrone, Senior Buyer and Category Manager with uh, EI DuPont. Uh, Oren Raymond, or Raman. Uh, supply Chain Performance Engineer with Caterpillar. Thomas Ratterman, Contract Administrator, uh, Strategic Sourcing with uh, Howard Hughes Medical Institute with, uh, in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Uh, Tanya Santiago Marvel, Latin America Indirect Procurement Manager, Millicom, Miami, Florida. Amy Schwanter, Manager, Strategic Sourcing, CBS Corporation. Pamela Tun, purchasing, uh, sorry, procurement analyst, Northrop Grumman, Marin Von Platten, sourcing manager, Bayer Healthcare, Jamie Walker, sourcing buyer, raw materials, EI DuPont, and our own two guests, Wesley Whitney, senior uh, sourcing specialist with Enterprise Products, and Jennifer Wolf, supply chain uh, manager, strategy manager with Masco Cabinetry. Uh, Wes and Jennifer, I'm going to ask you a couple of tough questions. I'm going to start with you, Jennifer. Because uh, you uh, 
probably have uh, had an eye on this, and we certainly as the gray hairs have had an eye on this. What do you think, Jennifer, the biggest misconception is about millennials today? Well, based on that comment, I think one of the misconceptions is that millennials don't have gray hairs. Unfortunately, I think I proved that wrong. (laughs) 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 But on a serious note, um, I think there's a belief that the millennials are distracted and not engaged because of our reliance on technology. But actually, in my experiences, I've I've seen that as a positive. I think um, millennials use their phones and their iPads uh, effectively to get information quickly. And then I've I've seen us firsthand make that make be able to use that information to make decisions quickly. And then we turn around and communicate those decisions almost immediately. So this attention to technology is actually a benefit because I've seen it increase the speed of business and lead to quicker results. And Wes, how about you? Uh, what, from your perspective, would you say is the biggest misconception about millennials? And then I, I will share one from the gray-haired point of view. <laughs> well, I, I'm probably answering a similar vein uh, to Jennifer. You know, I, I, I hear the uh, the distracting technology piece a lot, but you know, I think it deeper than that. I think what what's maybe not being said, but but alluded to is somehow that millennials aren't hard workers that were inherently lazier than uh, than the generations that were that were around before we were, you know, I, that's where I would have to, to, to disagree more than anything. I, some of the people that I work with that are young and in the same stage of life um, that I'm in are, are some of the hardest workers that I've come across. And, you know, I certainly uh, it doesn't fall on deaf ears that uh, that our preceding generations made made legacies on being hard workers and being forthright and committed to their companies. Um, and it's something that uh, that I feel a great deal of duty to uh, to replicate um, in, in my in my career, I want to I want to spend as much time with um, as few companies as possible, and I want to give them my best every day. So, I, you know, the conception that somehow millennials are lazy and you know, want to watch Netflix and play on their iPhones all day is uh, is not something that that I would agree with. And if it and if certainly if that is a the, the banner of any of a of any of the millennial millennials in the professional world, then uh, then they're certainly the uh, the exception and not the rule. Well, I would agree with you on that point, and that really was uh, was my. Um, my point is that the biggest uh, misconception is that they are, in fact, lazy. They don't ever want to get out of their pajamas. They want to work from their parents' basement. They don't want to fly a cubicle. Um, and that's not what we're seeing. In fact, if, if the 30 Under 30 program did anything, it was to, it is to open up the eyes of probably the, the senior managers and the senior executives at even middle-sized and smaller companies, that the millennial generation is a very bright, very technically savvy, uh, very aggressive uh, group of folks who want to make a contribution to their company. And supply chain is a terrific place to do that. But I don't see in, in any of the, and I read many of the bios of the winners, that laziness is not something you'd attach to these folks. Uh, so it's, it was a really a very exciting group to read about. Now, and so, what advice would you give Jennifer to baby boomers, you know, who want to bring on more millennial talent into their businesses? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important for them to keep an open mind and um, continually be willing to consider a different perspective. Uh, I recently heard a statistic that two thirds of millennials uh, have a desire to start their own business. So I see great opportunity in attracting 
um, top talent by embracing an, an entrepreneurial culture. Now, I'm not suggesting you add ping pong tables to your offices, uh, but I am suggesting that you offer the same kinds of satisfaction someone would get from running their own businesses, maybe a sense of ownership, um, schedule flexibility, transparency to the company's results, even a relaxed dress code could go a long way. <laughs> and Wes, how about you? Well, you know, I work in an industry where um, baby boomer baby boomers are are prevalent. They are the C level executives of the companies that you know that are really in the industry industry right now. So, to me, I have so much to learn, and uh, I've been so so thankful to have learned so much from from you know people in the baby boomer generation. And I think that's kind of a, a lasting legacy is uh, is baby boomers have such an opportunity to grow, shape, kind of define the, the people that are going to be um, responsible for carrying on the legacy that, that they've left. And, um, and, and the few that I've, I've had the opportunity to work closely with have, um, have embraced that and, and take great pride in knowing that you know, their efforts won't be cast aside, that the, many of the, the projects and many of the, the cultures that they built within their companies will be carried on because uh, – of their willingness to reinvest in, in future generations. So it, it's less of an, an air of competition and more of a, an opportunity really just to, to continue to give long after um, your time and talents at that company are gone. And, and I've, like I said, I've been so thankful to, uh, to, to have had coworkers who were, you know, who had come long before me and were more seasoned than I would that, that, that they would share those, those goals and, and that information with me because they have such a, such a rich, uh, depth of information um, to keep that to themselves would be would be such a tragedy, and, and to share that is is um, really can can leave a lasting legacy at the companies that you're at. Uh, Kristen, uh, you had the opportunity to work with uh, the the 30 uh, of the 30 under 30, uh, and what did you see in regards to what we were just talking about as far as uh, Commitment and uh, work ethics and uh, all of the uh, components that you're looking for in the uh, upper end of the millennial uh, world. Well, I think among all 30 of the winners, really they all love their work because it really touches every aspect of the company. Um, Wes mentioned it before when you asked him what one of the most satisfying parts of his job was. It's, some, it's always something new, and I think that kind of – uh, leads into the question that you just asked, too, about advice um, to give to baby boomers about bringing on millennial talent. It's really about keeping, you know, something new every day and changing up what you're doing in your job. You know, we talked about as you're reading through the winners, uh, travel is a big one. Just getting out there and giving these people new opportunities um, really makes them more well-rounded and really good employees for a company. Well, I'm glad uh, glad to hear hear that you're finding the similar traits in all of the uh, individuals. Uh, do, are you expecting to do anything uh, newer, different uh, in your uh, selection process for the uh, next 30 under 30 group? Uh, I don't believe that we're going to change anything. Um, we haven't completely made that decision yet, but I think um, we're probably going to keep everything the same because it was a very simple application, just really, um, you know, going over. 
uh, sorry, um, it was a very simple application, just really going over and highlighting what these people had done to make a difference to their company and to their community. Um, the only thing that we hope is to see a lot more applications this year. And as we're going out and talking to people at different events and going in and speaking about ThomasNet at different companies, um, one of the things that we hear is, I wish I knew about this program sooner, I would have nominated somebody. So there's definitely a lot of people that we expect to nominate, um, some great candidates for this year, um, and we're looking forward to digging through, like I said, lots of more applications than we did last year. I'm hoping that uh, that Kristen would uh, engage the idea of making it the top 31 under 31 uh, so that Jennifer and I can take a stab <laughs> at it again next year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've heard that from a few people. They're like, can you do 60 under 60? <laughs> You're going to go a lot, gonna have to go a lot higher than that for Lou and I, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's obviously been a terrific success. Uh, Kristen, if there was one big surprise in this, what would you say it was? Um, I think it's just, I, I don't think it was surprising to me. Um, I actually am a, a millennial as well, and I agree. I think there are a lot of hard workers that are out there that are of the millennial age. Um, so just highlighting these people I think was great. Um, you know, so I, I was not surprised by the caliber of applications that we had and, and the people that came through. Were most of the uh, candidates uh Self-selected or corporate-selected? Most of them were nominated. Um, I'm not sure of the exact number off the top of my head, but we did have uh -huh. some self-nominations as well. Um, but a lot of the winners were actually surprised. I know Jennifer mentioned that she was surprised. Um, she didn't even know that she was nominated until she received um, notification that she had won, which you know happened with quite a few people. Um, so, yeah, really across the board, some people nominating themselves and some being nominated by others. It turns out in this whole group, as I read the the, uh, the write-ups, uh, by the way, Thomas Nett has done a terrific job of putting together the write-ups on each of the winners that can be found at www.thomasnett.com slash 30 under 30. Any of the listeners, I encourage you to go there and to read some of these bios. No fair trying to steal the people from their companies. But some of the bios of these people are terrific. And Jennifer's I see a uh, a trend in all of these millennials about being involved in uh, you know social programs and nonprofits and giving back, which is quite frankly unusual at this young of an age. That typically happens to people in their 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, but what are some of the things that you're involved in uh, for nonprofit or you know outside the uh, the business environment on a kind of a give back basis? Was that a question for Jennifer? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty involved in an organization locally that's called Girls on the Run. Um, it's an organization that goes into local elementary schools and helps girls develop a sense of self-respect through the activity of running. Um, so it's a unique way to um, engage all of the girls in a school um, for a uniquely low cost um, and, and teach them skills that they'll be able to count on for the rest of their lives. And Wes, how about you? I see that you're involved in a couple of things, uh, uh, and you're also involved in, uh, is it mentoring at a high school? Yeah, so I'm actually involved in a, in a couple of mentoring programs. One is through ISM. 
so locally there's a for new graduates there's a, a mentor mentee program that ISM Houston puts on so I've recently got involved in that and am and connected with a gentleman that's graduating from a supply chain school here in Houston and looking to start his career so we meet and talk and kind of just kind of pave the way for the next generation of people that are going to be winning the 30 under 30 award and <laughs> and uh, also we're, my wife and I are both involved in a high school a high school mentorship program here um in Houston called Young Life uh which is a which is a, a Christian based mentorship program in the local high schools and we've been doing that for probably about 10 years now so Wow, that's quite a long time to be involved. That's that's really terrific. As I say, that's typically something that people, uh, after they've settled in and uh, uh, gotten past their midlife crisis, are looking for how can I give back, and that typically happens to people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So I'm thrilled to see that the millennials are involved in their 20s and 30s uh, because that will really reinvigorate a lot of the programs that uh, really need to be handled at the community level. So that's uh, that's very exciting. Uh, Wes, as we kind of uh, approach the end of our hour here, we've got uh, 10, 12 minutes to go here. Uh, is there anything else in particular that you would like to, to share with the listeners out there who are, you know, the the next generation of millennials coming up, and maybe even some of the listeners uh, who uh, said, oh, gee, I wish I'd, I'd uh, known about this sooner, about supply chain that you think that they ought to take a second look or a first look at it? Wes? That's a great question. Um, you know, for me, s- supply chain has, has has given me everything I've ever expected and ever asked of, and more. Um, I, I really am so incredibly thankful, not only to the, to the companies that I work that I've worked for and, and the people that I've worked for, but really the industry itself is um, something that I that I really I envision a lot of people coming directly out of university, out of out of training, to really get involved in because you you will be given every opportunity to have dramatic impact on your company. Um, so for, for all those people out there listening that might be thinking about a degree in supply chain or might be thinking about a career transition like I was, I mean, I was well in, I was 26 when I transitioned over to Enterprise. Um, you know, it's it's never too late. Uh, you, you can always teach an old dog new tricks, um, If certainly if that dog is willing to, to work and, and to invest in, you know, to invest in the process. And, and really that, that process is about delivering on time, safe quality product to uh to your stakeholders and uh, if if that's something that's interested to you and if you're interested in in business analytics and project management and presentations and communication and you know everything in between on on the gamut of of uh skills that you could apply then then supply chain's going to give you an opportunity to become the jack of all trades and to really hone your craft and 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 one final thing you know recognition like this is is great it's humbling and i'm i'm incredibly thankful to to you for having us on to ISM to Thomas Net for for recognizing Jennifer and I and the other you know the other 28 participants of this program but but you know i i myself i find this to be incredibly uh it's it's really driving me and it really invigorating me to to work uh, even that much harder and so you know getting your back your back padded is is a great feeling and, and I'm certainly thankful for all the uh, the recognition and 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 fame it's brought but at the end of the day man it's been really inspiring to me to to remember that there's a lot of hard work left to do and there's certainly a lot left to be accomplished and um and I'm just so thankful to have been uh, included in, in such an amazing group of young men and women that are that are really kind of making a name for our industry and for what we do and and I'm I'm humbled to be a part of it and looking forward to to doing a lot more great uh Wes I just like to make a comment at the beginning of the of your present comment 
you did make reference to the fact that you're 26 years old and you're an old dog. Um, I think that uh, old dog is somewhere around 60 and 70, but I won't, I won't, I won't beat you up on that. Uh, it, it, was, it certainly has been a uh, an, an honor having the two of you on the show, and uh, Kristen, we appreciate uh, your uh, presenting all of this for our uh, listeners. Um, I, I, the, our show is coming uh, to a close, and I would like to uh, mention that in about 90 minutes from now, uh, we will have uh, this show as a podcast at mfgtalkradio.com which is the website for our show and um, next week uh, when we have uh, our next show it's going to be part two of 3D printing services for the manufacturing company uh, community Uh, We did have a primer show a week or two ago, which was uh, incredibly fascinating, uh, learning about not new technology, but new to uh, uh, the the, uh, awareness to the marketplace. Actually, 3D printing has been around, I believe, for 50 or 60 years. Um, Today, it's a $3 billion uh, industry. And it's projected that in year 2020, which is only uh, five years from now, it's going to be a $8.5 billion industry. So we're going to have some guests on uh, next week about this uh, growing, robust, uh, high-tech technology. And uh, we certainly look forward to having all of our listeners uh, uh, take part and listen to our guests. Uh, Tim? Uh, Jennifer, I'd also like to hear from you on this kind of the same subject. Uh, any closing comments that you would like to make uh, about supply chain and you know how it's been for you and how you see it in the future uh, for others? Jennifer? Sure. Um, well, thank you again for having me on the show. <clears throat> I think one of the growing trends in supply chain that will really uh, continue to attract young cha- young talent is the ability to travel with the roles that uh, – that are encapsulated within supply chain. I see a growing trend amongst um, friends and peers to pursue study abroad and international internships during our studies in undergrad and even grad school. And supply chain is one of the um, only fields that allows you to continue those overseas explorations throughout your career. Um, So for that reason, I do see it um, continuing to attract young talent that is eager to get out and explore different cultures and um, understand how business practices differ around the world. Um, So that's a really exciting thing. And I look forward to uh, continuing to do that myself as well. Um, Again, I look forward to meeting you all at the ISM event in May. Well, we certainly look forward to being out we look forward to being out in uh, in Arizona to uh, to meet with uh, any of the 30 under 30 folks who uh, are there. Um, and certainly, if any of you are interested in travel, uh, this is a, a great career, as Jennifer mentioned. You're in the supply chain. One of your duties and responsibilities is to check out not just your primary suppliers, but the secondary and the tertiary suppliers, and they may be all over the globe now. So it's a fascinating opportunity for you to travel for the company to find out 
what are the secondary and, and tertiary suppliers' capabilities are and how strong are they, and to make sure that your products get out to the marketplace uh, safely and effectively and efficiently. So it's just a very exciting career path to be in. Uh, now, Kristen, you are a millennial yourself, as you mentioned. Uh, any closing comments? Any closing comments you would like to make to our listeners about uh, uh, supply chain and and uh, how it's uh, impacted your career? Uh, well, I'm not actually in supply chain, but uh, you know, going to a lot of these events and being par- a big part of ISM. You know, I belong to ISM from a promotional standpoint, uh, right. but it really is a great organization that allows great networking between millennials and baby boomers and Gen X and no matter what you are, it is a great organization. Um, it, does, it allows for a lot of mentorship programs going on. You know, Jennifer mentioned early in her career she was lucky to meet someone who made a great impact and, you know, 10 years later or whatever it is, um, has been able to nominate her for the 30 Under 30 program. So I think ISM is definitely something that allows you that opportunity. Um, it's great to network with people in person, you know, again, um, going back to that misconception that millennials are always on their phone and always doing stuff over email, um, ISM is a great organization that allows face-to-face networking. And we, well, you know, at ThomasNet, we're happy to, you know, partner up on this, partner up with them on this program and a number of other things throughout the year. Well, we have had a great partnership ourselves with ISM. We've had Brad Holcomb on the show many times uh, to talk about the ISM report on business. So we really enjoy ISM. We enjoy being at their conferences, and we appreciate the guests that they bring to the table, as as well as ThomasNet. Again, that's www.thomasnet.com, 30 under 30. I encourage anyone to go there and read those. And as I kind of wrap up the show here, I would like to remind our listeners of a couple of things. But let me say a big thank you to Jennifer Wolf, uh, to Wes Whitney, and to Kristen Carty for joining us today. We really appreciate their input about their experiences in supply chain. And I want to remind our listeners that they can uh, listen to the show live at msgtalkradio.com. They can also follow us on uh, Twitter at uh, MFG Talk Radio. They can send us an email. You know, we'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you want to send us an email, the address is info at mfgtalkradio.com. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening with us today. We will be back again next week for more conversation with Manufacturing Talk Radio, the voice of manufacturing globally. And that wraps us up for today. We'll talk to you again soon, and thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.